today, or for the last few days, we've been interviewing entrepreneurs and innovators, talking about some of the work that they're doing in Alberta uh, to commercialize their technologies, move them forward, create jobs, economic diversification, and that sort of thing. And today, I'm excited to have Ken Schmidt, sorry, and Kathy Jansen from Wilson Analytics. And we're going to be talking about the magic of light. Now, not just any old light that we see, and not just sunlight, because that's, that's like a big old mix of all of these different wavelengths. And listen to me prattle on. Why don't we just, uh, why don't we get you guys to tell us about, uh, give us a little bit of like light 101, and then let's go into what you guys do. Sure. <laughs> so light is part of the electromagnetic spectrum. And the part that we see is called visible light. And most people know that white light is made up of all of the colors of the rainbow. And you can tell that when you, there is a rainbow because then the sunlight is divided up into all of these pretty colors. But of course the electromagnetic spectrum goes much further out than what we can see. And below red you have infrared light which is useful for a lot of things. And above violet, you have ultraviolet radiation. So chemists and physicists measure this in a number of ways, but the easiest way is just to look at the wavelength of the light, because light is composed of little waves. So what we do is spectroscopy. And so what is spectroscopy and what is it useful for? Well, there's many different kinds of spectroscopy, but most of them are, can be divided up into three different kinds. And so what you do in spectroscopy is you have an instrument that you use to measure light. And I'll tell you in a minute why you might want to do that, but to start off with, I'll tell you how you do that. There's basically three different things that you can do. One thing you can do is you can do reflectance spectroscopy, and that's basically what our eyes do. So that's where you have a white light or something like that shining on an object, say, for example, a green leaf, and then the leaf absorbs some of the colors and transmits other colors. So the leaf absorbs the biggest parts of the sunlight and reflects the green, which is actually the lowest part of the sunlight. So, Ken, let me interrupt there. Yeah. So I remember from high school chemistry that those, the, the spectrum of light, that was, I remember the acronym Roy G. Biv. Right. So red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. So what you're saying is that that leaf absorbs the red, orange, yellow, blue, indigo, and violet, and reflects back the green. And that's what our eyes see. That's correct. Okay. And the reason why the leaf does that is it uses all of those wavelengths for photosynthesis, but not the green. So that's why it gives it back to us. Oh, okay. So that's reflectance spectroscopy. The other common one is absorbance spectroscopy. So if you have something that's transparent, say, for example, a swimming pool or something like that with water in it, well, the light that shines through the swimming pool 
some of the light gets absorbed. And in fact, if you look from one end to the other, it looks blue because the longer wavelengths get absorbed more quickly by the water, and so the reds and stuff on the longer end, and the blue, which is the shortest wavelength, or shorter wavelength, comes through and you see that. And then the final form of spectroscopy is called emission spectroscopy. And that's where you have something that absorbs one color of light and gives off another. And the common form of that is called fluorescence. And a typical example of that are fluorescent highlighters. So they seem to glow off of the page because they absorb some of the shorter wavelengths of light from the room light, and then they glow, also including your pants. Apparently my pants are fluorescent, like a marker. Okay, all right. So, so those are the three forms. Now, what can we use this for? Well, uh, absorbance spectroscopy is quite often used to measure concentrations. So uh, a typical example could be if you took some orange pop, you could dilute the orange pop, and you could tell how much you've diluted it by measuring how much the orange, orange absorption is in all the different samples that you diluted. Okay, so now let's get into, I, I, I think everybody's got kind of a grasp, maybe not a firm grasp, on light 101. We all understand the Roy G. Biv thing now, the three different forms of light spectroscopy. Now, what does Wilson Analytics do, Kathy? How do you guys manipulate light? What are you looking to find? What problems are you looking to solve? Okay, so uh, Wilson builds spectrometers so we build instruments that measure light and those instruments can be used for all sorts of stuff um, so our instruments have applications for environmental work for agricultural work for um, oil and gas work so one of our main um, sales is into the oil and gas industry for measuring corrosion inhibitors and these oh. corrosion inhibitor residuals are measured uh, to make sure that you have enough corrosion inhibitor in a pipeline for example to make sure that the pipeline is not corroded because um, you don't want the uh, oil and the water that is carried through that pipeline to spill into the environment because of course that's bad sure right yeah so, so let me just let me just stop you for a second so we're adding the corrosion inhibitor to the oil, that what's flowing through the pipe exactly so you guys so, will take a sample of all of that mixture um, we take a sample of all that mixture, but we actually measure the corrosion inhibitor residual in that is carried in the water because the corrosion inhibitor uh, forms a layer on the inside of the pipe and it is continuously eroded by the water and the oil that flows through the pipe. So you have to have enough residual in the water so that is continuously replaced. So if you have too much in the water, then you're of course wasting money and nobody wants to do that. But if you don't have enough, then the pipeline starts to rust and then you've got problems. And then you've got that environmental problem. Right. Okay. Now, the corrosion inhibitors happen to have uh, an intrinsic property of fluorescence. So that means if you shine ultra light your pants. Back to the pants. 
So if you shine ultraviolet light on the water sample, they will give off, the corrosion inhibitor gives off a blue fluorescence. So we can actually take the water sample out of the pipeline and stick it in our instrument, and it gives off a blue light that allows us to measure the concentration of the corrosion inhibitor in the pipeline. So this Which is, is really useful. This is very useful. It's huge. So by sampling that, you'll be able to tell industry, the oil and gas company, whoever's transporting that oil and gas through their pipeline, whether or not this corrosion inhibitor is running low, for lack of a better word, and it needs... Correct. Okay. Now, how do you get to the point, because pipelines are pretty long, how would you determine where, where some areas of corrosion are happening, do, or is that something different? Uh, well, first of all, a lot of it is used actually at the very beginning. The inhibitors are actually sometimes injected right down the well to protect the well okay. and everything. Uh, and also, they sample the water at different points. So they know where the water samples are coming from. So they know what okay, the protection so is at that point. point A and, and point, point B, D. if it's right. lower. And, okay. and there are a large number of other technologies that people also use, like coupons and electrical measurements and everything, to actually look at the corrosion rate as well. So our technology tells you if you're using enough inhibitor, okay. and the other technologies tell you what's happening with the corrosion. I see. Okay, and so it's technologies that are used in conjunction. Yeah, and so they're all used Correct. together to tell you what's going on. And the other thing is usually these continuous inhibitors are right on site with a big tank of the inhibitor and a pump. So once they get the measurement of the inhibitor residual, if there isn't enough, they can just go and turn up the pump. And if there's too much, they can go and turn down the pump. Okay. So it can be uh, pretty fast. I see. Now, as I'm looking on the screen, I see measure how effectively sunglasses block UV light with the open platform system. And when we chatted earlier, you also talked about sunscreens. We're all, we should all be wearing sunscreen when it's weather like this. Even when it's overcast, that UV radiation that Ken was talking about, that stuff we don't see is coming through the clouds from the sun. It's hitting us. So tell me a little bit about, Kathy, how, the, how you guys can measure the effectiveness of, say, a sunscreen. Yeah, so um, our system can measure light at various wavelengths. So with the sunscreen, we would extract the sunscreen from the product that you buy in the drugstore and uh, just uh, put it in a cuvette in the um, instrument, and we can then tell um, whether the UV light is blocked or not blocked, depending on the, um, the uh, spectrum that we measure. So it's as simple as that. You can look at this, the analysis of the of that sunscreen, it'll say, well, it's blocking UV or it's not blocking UV. We can see it uh, on the spectrum. Okay. Any stinkers out there? Any companies that are uh, that are pitching their UV sunscreen as uh, effective, and you guys are like, oh no, uh, we haven't measured enough uh, yeah. samples to make a comment on that. Okay, all right. I was yeah. trying to put you on the spot. That the one thing that we can do that's different is a lot of people can measure liquid samples, like Kathy was talking about, but our instrument also has a solids accessory. So the one of the other videos is showing you how to look at sunglasses. Right. So you're actually looking at the lenses of the sunglasses themselves. So you can look at solids, and we can look at solids 
solids in reflection and in fluorescence. So um, it gives us kind of um, more uh, versatility than a lot of the other instruments. Okay. So yeah. I'm just I'm going to throw an optometrist question at you, and I know you're both not optometrists, but you're your fellow four eyes like me. Mm -hmm. So now in the summer, we're all told we should wear polarized lenses. So your tech, then you can look at these lenses and determine whether or not they're effectively going to block UV radiation. Mm -hmm. And they block UV radiation because they're polarized, correct? No, they block UV radiation because they have UV blockers in them. Oh, I thought it was... Oh, okay. Yeah, it's because of the material they're made out of. So they're, if uh, they're glass, they have a coating on them. Yeah. Or if they're plastic, most plastics block UV on their own. Uh, and, okay. But the polarization cuts down on the glare. So what you're actually supposed to do is you're supposed to wear polarized lenses to cut down on the glare, but you're also supposed to look to make sure on the little sticker it says blocks UV light. Uh, okay. So, now, so nowadays almost all of them block UV light, yeah. but you know, 20 years ago that wasn't the case. That wasn't always the case. Yeah. Yeah. So let's step back in the history of Wilson Analytics because I'm always intrigued by how the entrepreneurial journey flows. Now, when did you guys get the first idea for this? Was it, did it come out of something else? Was it, uh, you know, you realized a gap in the industry? Do you, do you want me to do this one? <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh. Okay. So, is this somewhat contentious? Or well, it's, no. it's, this is just a story that we tell quite often. So, okay. like many great ideas, the idea for Wilson Analytical started in a bar. At uh, at a conference, at a con uh, what kind of conference? It was, was it? Uh, it was actually a corrosion conference. Okay. And so there there were a number of us at the conference together, and we started talking about setting up an analytical services company, which is how Wilson Analytical actually started and where the name comes from. And then after a few years, we decided that we wanted to start building equipment as well instead of just selling services. Okay. So we started buying equipment. Now, where the name Wilson Analytical comes from was the original idea behind the, the company was there were four of us in the company, and three of them were from other parts of the oil industry. And I was not, but I was, the, I was one of the chemists, so I knew how to set up the lab. And so the problem was uh, when... Uh, if other customers knew that the other three people were part of the company, then they might be reluctant to give their competitors analytical samples. So they said to me that, can you need to be the face of the company? And I said, well, that's fine, but you guys are the ones who know oil and gas chemistry. I don't because I came from the mining industry. And so... I said, that's fine. I know chemistry and I can be the face of the company, but you're going to have to help me out. And they said, oh, no problem. We'll be behind the scenes helping you out. We'll be like Mr. Wilson on Home Improvement, the wise man behind the fence. <laughs> right, whose face you, you never, never see. see. You just see his hat. And that's where the name Wilson Analytical came from. That's hilarious, by so, the way. So there has never been and probably never will be anybody named Wilson in Wilson Analytical. <laughs> So it came from a TV show. Came from yep. a TV show. That's a good show. one. Yeah. And you know what? What's really cool about this? And you guys, you know, you you say it with a smile on your face that you had a conversation at a bar, and that was the genesis of it. But you know what, people, just sitting out and hanging out, talking with friends, whether that's at a, at school, at work, 
that level of, you know, where the genesis of ideas and where they can come from. That's what I find utterly fascinating. And the genesis of names. Like, it's, it's cool, it's tongue-in-cheek, but it's, it, it's interesting, right? So you said originally there were four starting this off. Where is Correct. Wilson Analytical at now? Kathy? Um, yeah, so I was not one of the first four. The other three abandoned Ken, and he was on oh. his own. <laughs> Be because oil and gas got very busy, so they all were with their day jobs. Yeah. Okay, back. all right. And uh, he was looking for a new partner, and I was at the time working for the RCMP in forensics. And I was um, getting, I guess I was ready for something new, and he, he was looking for a partner, and we'd been friends for a while. And he says, you know... Why don't you join me with Wilson Analytical? So I thought about it for a while, and eventually he talked me into joining Coming me. on board. So I made the leap and oh, became cool. part of Wilson Analytical. Yeah. And um, now we're still a small company. There's 10 of us, I guess. Okay. Um, so, well, Ken and I own the company, and uh, we have eight employees, most of them, are, well, are part-time. We during the summer, time. we have more. During the sure. winter, we have less. Sure, yeah. okay. We have so, several students that oh, okay. work with us. Well, yeah, that's great. Co-op students and so and, on. And just so everybody knows, Wilson Analytical has got a little setup around the corner as well. Yeah, and come you can go, and see yeah, us. Yeah. Go and have a look. They've got one of the devices set up, ready to go, and they can talk to you a bit about it. It's fascinating. And another thing I thought was really cool from a design perspective is that and forgive me, I'm just saying the little box. Yeah, the, light the light sources. sources. Okay, the light yeah. source. It actually comes in like an anodized box, so anodized aluminum or something. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, powder coated. Powder coated, but it's in different colors. So I thought that was pretty sweet. From a marketing perspective, you know, it's, it's, it, it hits on a number of so, levels. So the, the green light sources are green, the blue ones are right. blue. Right, and it's marked off yeah. with the, the length of the of that individual wavelength of light correct yes. and so we're talking nanometers so this is how big which you can't even measure that with your digits it's pretty wee yeah <laughs> so it's a, a thousandth of a millimeter a one thousandth of a millimeter is one nanometer correct Boom. no one millionth of a, of a millimeter is a nanometer Holy cow, that's, yeah, I can't, the, the mind doesn't even yeah. uh, compute Tiny. that. So what's next for Wilson Analytical? Uh, well, um, we're working on a whole bunch of projects. Um, we are, have, are working with a university in Ontario on building a hydrogen sensor using our open platform system. We're also working with uh, you know, two universities in Ontario and a, a Great Lakes Consortium. Federal and provincial government. Yeah. Okay. On a microplastics project. To measure microplastics. Right, yeah, because microplastics, that's a big, that's a big, it's a issue, big, big issue in water. And that's also with our open platform system. Okay. And um, we have a team of wonderful engineers that are working with us to um, develop greenhouse gas systems. So we've been working on those for, what, a year? To be able to, in the field, 
actively measure methane emissions, carbon dioxide, so sulfur take, dioxide. Like take a, an air sample it, and it'll determine be, parts yeah, per million. It'll be automatic. It'll pump in an air sample and give you a continuous reading. That's yeah. really cool. So we're basically extending our open platform system more into the infrared uh, to be able to measure the greenhouse gas systems reliably. And our systems will be uh, uh, basically more reliable and uh, have less moving parts than a lot of the uh, systems that are out there right now. Okay. Well, that's, so, that's really neat. And you guys are a St. Albert-based company. Yep. So just, just outside of Edmonton a little bit. That, I, I love it. I think it's really neat. So kids... Kids out there, spectroscopy, physics, chemistry, get into that. You want to get a gig with Wilson Analytical, and I don't know when they're done school. You guys, I'm sure you're growing. You're at yeah. 10 now. It's growing. You've got work out, out east. You're getting contracts, so it's, uh, it's cool. That's, uh, it's very exciting work. And it is. Yeah. So what's the weirdest thing? that you've, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot again, the weirdest thing that you may have discovered doing, doing the work you do. We, we started off doing analytical services. And so one of the things that we specialize in is what we call mystery oil field samples. So it's basically somebody gives you a Tim Hortons cup full of funny goop and says, what is this? And typically it comes from a plugged filter or a plugged pump or something that they have somewhere. So we got one one time and we were looking at it and there was some stuff in it that looked like it was kind of like cellulose like or something like that. And we looked at it and, and it had... It, sorry, is that like a fat? No, cellulose is like paper or wood. Okay, you know, yeah. okay, yep. And so it looked kind of like it had a structure to it though. And so we couldn't figure out what it was. And so we cleaned it all up and we put it under a microscope and ran some infrared spectroscopy and looked at it and everything. And it turned out, because this was from an oil well, right? It turned out that it was seeds. What they had done was when they're doing their drilling, they sometimes add in stuff to thicken stuff and stuff like that. Somehow or other, they grabbed a whole bunch of seeds from somewhere with the husks on them and everything, put them down hole whenever they drilled the well, and then later on this stuff came back up and plugged the pumps and everything. Interesting. And so like, well, what is this stuff? Yeah, we weren't actually expecting seeds to come out from underground. So, Wow. You know, and I wanted to, first when we start off, and we've got to wrap this up right away, but another thing I find really cool about spectroscopy, and I know you guys aren't doing this, but when you were talking about you know, analyzing light spectrum. Another thing that scientists are doing with spectroscopy, um, specifically in, you know, astrophysics and stuff like that, is spectroscopy of those exoplanets that we hear about, planets that are making transits across other suns light years away. But they can read from spectroscopy, from the colors of light, what the atmosphere is like, yeah. whether it's breathable, whether it's... Mm -hmm. Co higher concentrations. So the new James Webb that just came out yeah. works in the near IR and the mid IR. So, infrared. Yeah, Don't sorry. get acronym yeah, yeah, on yeah. me. Sorry, infrared. <laughs> yeah. So just past the red. 
So that's the area that we're doing the greenhouse gas work in. And so the same thing. So they can see if there's methane there. They can see if there's water vapor there. Because you get a specific signature in the absorption spectrum in the infrared from the different molecules. And because they don't all overlap, mm -hmm. you can actually tell them apart. Yeah. So it's basically the same technology that we're using here. It's just a different application. That's fascinating. That's and really it, cool. And it's just a lot older light. <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> yes, potentially hundreds of years old. Eh? No, from the stars, it's you know, potentially billions well, of, of years. Of course, yeah, yeah, right, right. Okay. So if people want to learn more, other than going to check your booth out over here, they want to go online, they want to learn more, what's your URL? Um, <laughs> That's always a www.wilsonanalytical.com. Wilsonanalytical.com. You know, Kathy, Ken, this was a real pleasure getting to meet you, learning more about spectroscopy, learning how to pronounce spectroscopy. Try to say that three times yeah. really quick. It's a big word. It's a big word, but it's a cool sounding word, too. Yeah. So thank you for your time. You're Looking forward welcome. to learning more. Thank you, you very bet. much. Shift can be found online at shift.albertainnovates or on your favorite podcast streaming service. On behalf of everyone here, I'm John Hagen. Until next time, take care.